When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. The Fountain of Truth about aging. Now, sometimes in the past five years of doing this show, I think I'm talking about everything but aging. Uh, we talk about going on vacations and travel and lifelong learning and really what it means to cultivate a life purpose and our money. But guess what? Today's show really is about aging. And aging in a very particular time, perhaps not the best time in most people's thinking, to be aging, and that is today the time of coronavirus and what is happening in organizations whose focus really is aging. And so we have a top organization, I think maybe the top organization. Uh, it's called JASA. And this is an organization who's been around for decades and decades in uh, the whole city of New York. Now, you may say, well, look, here's an organization in one city. Well, it happens to be in a city where there may be more older adults in one type of geographic area than in most places in the world. I used to work uh, for a group that was a 10-block a complex in New York City. It had 3,000 older adults in that one 10 blocks. Now, you can't duplicate this kind of Petri dish anywhere in the world. And if you have to deal with that, if you have to deal with senior housing, what's happening in the time of COVID, if you have to deal in the good times, watching older adults that don't really have the money to thrive, want to be able to thrive, like everyone else, having the same interests, wanting their lifelong learning, wanting to be well-nourished, wanting to go to that gym. What do you do when you have that many people? Well, there is one group that knows the answer. And that group is called JASA. And I've been in front of them many, many times with clients that provide food, giving lectures, hearing lectures. And I'm really thrilled today to have Amy Chalfie. Now, she's a JASA's co-chief program officer She's been a veteran of this world for over 30 years, and she's co-chief program officer of an organization, as I just mentioned to you, that serves, well, throughout the Bronx, throughout New York, has, uh, and, and actually, I would say, I'm going to put it on the line to her in a little while. You know, it's also a real estate organization because it supports senior housing, something that very few people know much about. So I'm going to be asking all the hard questions about how you're spinning on a pin uh, in this time of COVID, Amy, and I know you're going to be able to answer me. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I appreciate being on Generation Bold Radio, Adrienne. Um, thank you. So let's start with Jess. And tell us just a little bit about it more than I did, because you certainly know the bones of the organization. Sure. So as you said, NASA has, was founded over 50 years ago, and it's the go-to agency helping older adults in New York City live safer, fuller lives. We provide critical services to over 40,000 older adults in New York City annually. JASA is built on three pillars, services, yes, real estate, we have affordable housing, and licensed home care. And these are all vital elements of secure and fulfilled community living. 
Our services spectrum citywide spans free legal services, health and mental health services, elder abuse prevention, home delivered meals, social programming at senior centers, access to benefits and entitlements, and we are a leader in community trainings to other professionals about elder abuse, for health support, caregiver assistance. I like to think of it as we have an unusual breadth and depth of services. For example, we don't have one senior center, we have 22. We have five case management programs. We have 10 affordable senior buildings. So that brings a level of experience and expertise in these areas that is very important. We like to say that we resolve people's needs, we honor their preferences, and we offer opportunities for them to express their strengths. We recognize But you know, there's one, there's one other thing, Amy, that I, I want to, uh, the way I see it, I see it that this is like a clinical trial. Let me explain what I mean by that. On our show, we go to the NIA, the National Institute on Aging. We have a lot of doctors here. They do clinical trials to see what works. And in order to get those clinical trials, they have to get people who are willing to submit to pharmaceutical trials and so on. What you've got there is 40,000 people that you can observe and see what's working when you bring a program to them or you look at senior housing and you're worried about sequestration and people not complying or over-complying or getting lonely or getting depressed. You can see what's going on so that the rest of the world doesn't have to, doesn't have to have just a small sample and then fly by the seat of their pants. So I'm very interested in hearing about what you feel has been working that JASA has done in this time of COVID for many, for many of the people who go to your centers, as you say, 22 centers, 10 buildings. Before we worry about what's not working and talk about the terrible issues and hold our head, what's been working? Tell us the things you're the proudest of right now oh, that you oh. think can be duplicated maybe elsewhere. Lots of things. Yes. You know, I, and, and also all credit to our dedicated staff who really pivoted on a dime to make important changes to help the older adults we serve. So safety is our top priority during this evolving situation. And we want to make sure, for example, that people are socially connected. You can how to maintain safe physical distancing and not social distancing. So some of the things that we've been doing during this time to address um, helping people live in a more normal way during this COVID-19 health crisis. Our senior centers, our forums, um, and uh, it's still necessary to cease programming, on-site program programming at the centers, but our clients can still engage in regular programming and with JASA staff in a variety of virtual uh, strategies. We've created a hub called the Senior Center Virtual Events, so that can be accessed. Um, and they're free to open to the public nationwide. All you have to do is contact JASA at seniorcenters at jasa.org to sign up. We have check in on clients across all our service areas using telephone visiting procedures to address concerns and provide a sense of connection. We are continuing critical operations such as our home delivered meal service for the thousands of clients in Brooklyn and Queens. That's almost 2000 clients daily who rely on us. Um, we deliver food to tenants in our senior buildings and in Newark, 
communities. Uh, NORC stands for Naturally Occurring Retirement Community. That essentially means a group of buildings uh, where people moved in when they were young and they've stayed and as they become older. We uh, are JASA Legal Services for Elder Justice Program and social work programs are fully operational remotely at this time. Um, we using telephonic and virtual meeting procedures. Um, again, uh, one of the most important ways, one of the most important things we're concerned about, of course, is social connectedness. And we have a program called JASA Chat in which volunteers are paired with JASA clients. And this is much more than just sort of traditional telephone reassurance, which is a traditional check-in. This is a real mutual conversation of people with shared interests. And we're reaching about 200 older adults this way. Yeah, so yeah, my question really is this. When we come back, I want to talk about the issue of technology. Because as I'm listening mm -hmm. to you, I'm hearing such wonderful programs, but they are technology-based. What else could they be during the time of COVID, which, which everything is Zoom, everything is online, uh, and so on. But but we talk about something on this show called the technology divide that I think is maybe a little bit more severe in our areas in Texas that listen, in the rural areas where there really is sometimes no internet, whether you've got the money for the equipment and the know-how or not, you can't get anything. But in New York, of course, you've got all your connectivity. The question is, is the older adult connected and wired? And if not, how do you help them? When we come back, we're going to talk about that because you really can't do all the wonderful social distancing uh, and, and stay connected as well if you're not tech savvy. We'll be right back to talk about some of the JASA programs and how they could be duplicated. Don't you go anywhere. All of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and we are back. Before we go, to our guest, uh, Amy Chalfie, JASA's co-chief program officer. And uh, if you were listening to our first segment, you know that you can find out a great deal about JASA. It is really probably the premier, I call it a clinical trial, the Petri dish, the 360-degree the view of what it means to get older and aging and have to deliver services uh, that we've got perhaps worldwide because it's in New York City for New York City. But that means 40,000 people. That means 40,000 people are served in 10 senior housing complexes, in 22 senior centers. Oh, my. So if you want to know more about that, particularly for my listeners who are in the field, you certainly want to go to JASA, J-A-S-A dot org. Or you want to follow them at JASA, J-A-S-A seniors on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. We'll be going right back uh, to the issue, a tough issue today that's really surfacing, and that is seniors and technology. But first, we're going to hear a little bit from the AERP on their latest book, from MIT on their latest book. And if you are now increasing your library, particularly your Kindle library, you're going to listen uh, to my discussion very quickly of two books 
that are a don't miss for your successful aging library. Aging is trending when it comes to bestsellers. Check out The Longevity Economy by Joseph Coughlin, the director of MIT's Age Lab. The Longevity Economy tells the story behind the goods and services and technology created just for us, like CareBus and, yes, the driverless car. It shows how much we contribute to the GNP, but it also voices a complaint that companies are not making fun stuff for us. Don't treat us like a patient. Treat us like a consumer, says Coughlin. The second book I recommend is Disrupting Aging by Joanne Jenkins, director of the AARP. Ms. Jenkins reviews breakthroughs in workplace diversity, home health, and more generated by our longevity. She asks us all to view aging as a strength, not an inevitable decline, and registers a plea to fight ageism. See you at the bookstore, or better yet, at the library. Okay, I've read them all twice, by the way. Uh, let us get back. Oh, I have to tell you, I've just spoken to Ken Dykewald, who's going to be a speaker at our next conference, which is Metabesity 2020. A bit of, uh, of bookkeeping. Go to our uh, website, which is www.metabesity2020.com and read all about this geroscience and aging conference in October. It is virtual, and you may be interested, even if you're not a geroscientist, so you can express your interest. All right, now, there's no cost for that. We just want to get you on the list. And uh, you'll hear Ken Dykewald there. You know that he is uh, probably the man in gerontology right now with his latest book uh, about retirement and what retirees really want. And he will be one of our speakers. All right, now, speaking of speakers, let us go back to Amy Chalfie, Jazz's co-chief program officer. All right, Amy, you gave us a, a fabulously exciting, really, litany of what Jess is doing during the time of COVID. You invited um, other organizations to be part of some of your, your learning programs because they're virtual. But there's an elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is, are the seniors that you're dealing with savvy enough with regard to technology? And if not, is there anything we could do about it on the fly here? Because we got to get it up and running. Well, I think you're right, certainly, that there is a technological generational divide. But I think sometimes for some folks, they are reluctant and they're uncertain about using technology. So we are trying to bridge that divide. For example, at the moment, we were able to secure funding during this time to we have um, uh, Wi-Fi wiring in one of our senior housing buildings, and we were able to secure funding to get everyone some equipment and training on how to use that equipment. Um, we recognize that lots of folks are not comfortable using technology, and we have relied in part on telephonic contact as well. And for some people, they like that. You know, there are some challenges to technology, but we are working hard to address this gap to, um, for example, in this building that when which we are we distributed equipment and are doing training, how can that be adapted for other buildings, for other communities? So they're all, as you said, in a little bit, you know, we've got a little Petri dish going here. We've got to see what, what is successful and what can we expand to other communities. We've also expanded uh, with a telehealth project with our home care folks, uh, with a healthcare entity to pilot a new um, telehealth project in which um, caregivers and clients can respond to targeted questions every day via a tablet or a smartphone app. And experienced clinicians are on the other side. So again, 
this recognizes that people don't have necessarily have all the equipment they need, but part of the project involves distributing the equipment. I think that one of the hardest challenges is overcoming some ageism um, from even from some younger folks and what they think older people can do technologically. Everybody can learn new things. Everybody's hungry to learn new things. So we find that when we enter into projects like this, people are hungry for it and eager and fairly quickly become relatively adept. But you are right. There is a gap. This has exposed, this crisis has exposed um, a gap in how in people's access to technology and affordability about it, as well as a comfort level. Yeah, I'm going to make a, a comment here. I'm very mm -hmm. concerned about lack of access. I'm not as concerned about lack of know-how. What we know now is, you know, the, the old thing, uh, yes. a, a little woman who's a mother can pick up a yes. car when her baby is underneath it. Boy, when you have to do something, you do it. And this is this is true at any age, and I have been seeing that. But access, you can't do it if you don't have access. So I'm very concerned about that. And I'll tell you, what has happened recently, this is an experience I just had. I did a blog on uh, Medicare because I'm mm -hmm. very mad at Medicare because it's all about curing our diseases, not preventing our diseases. And I have a fairly big mouth about that. But I actually gave them a compliment because Medicare now covers what you were talking about telehealth, e-visits, uh, virtual check-ins, a lot of things like that are covered for for most of the kinds of services they cover already. If you have those problems, you can do a lot by telehealth. But I got a, uh, a scathing um, uh, criticism back after somebody read the blog saying, older people can't do it. They don't know how to use telehealth. What are you talking about? So that, of course, is the ageism. We really know, I'm 72. We know a lot more than you think. And if we can't do it, we get our grandchild to do it or we get the neighbor to do it or we figure it out ourselves. It's just the access that I'm worried about. And I don't know that New York has, has that, that issue quite so much. But I do want to take this now, this same issue, to a happy place. You've been doing way before COVID and during COVID, I see you haven't stopped, uh, lifelong learning, life engagement maybe learning technology and, and tech skills, business skills, all kinds of things. And you've been 30 years personally as a, in this world, and, and you're a program officer. So what have you seen? And I mean, I think ageism can be stopped if people really understand what, it, what older people are like. And I think there's a big difference today. And there's got to be a change in the last 30 years that, that, that are, that's mind-blowing. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, exactly right. You know, the older generation is big in several ways. Certainly in the span of years, let's say we like, we think about it, let's say 60 to 100 plus, and there's a trend toward longevity. Um, for example, you know, in some of our senior centers, we may have a mother and a daughter both attending. One is 65 right. and the other is 85. And it's also, of course, yep. in New York City, very large in size. But it represents diversity and interests and needs and affiliations and strengths. It's clear to us that one size doesn't fit all. And we believe very strongly that, um, that there, are, there are opportunities to enhance what I would call confident aging. For example, we do things around chronic disease self-care management, and we train people to be peer health navigators. 
you know, in some ways, a little bit like uh, having a coach, but it's somebody who is older, who has the same health issue as you do, and can help you manage whether it's diabetes or high blood pressure or losing weight. And it's very um, empowering for the person who's the peer health navigator, you can imagine. We have programs in which we help. Do, do you have a peer health navigator that has really good abs? <laughs> I will put out an because inquiry. I, I, because I don't. Yes, put an inquiry because I'm actually researching this thing and I'm finding it has to do a lot about aging. It's not good for your kidneys. I mean, it's not only vanity, which I am very vain, but that's another story. Uh, and the fact is, I don't know anybody who's conquered this problem. And more and more, according to the papers that I'm reading, it's right. not healthy. You can have a great weight. And if the weight's in the wrong place, it, it's not great. Now, when we come back, I really want to uh, 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 expand what we're talking about here. These peer-to-peer -peer groups, the kinds of things that you're seeing, I just think that they are uh, forward-looking. They sound like something that should be there everywhere. But the truth is, they're not. They're a JASA, but they're not everywhere. And when we come back, we want to talk a little bit more about the programs, because they're very exciting, and how people could learn more about it and maybe make the right inquiries in their area to see if they have anything like you're outlining, and if not, what they may be able to do about it. We will be right back. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. Let me tell you that if you do go to, there's two websites you could go to, uh, to get our weekly newsletter. The newsletter is free, doesn't sell anything. And what do I do with it? Well, I alert you to our blog, which, of course, is written every single week. I alert you to our podcasts. I give you a taste of it. You could listen to some of the podcasts right there on our newsletter. And I give you hints and tips on successful aging that came through to me during the week, but that just didn't fit into the website or the podcast or other writings that I'm doing. But they were just too good to pass up. A lot of them are fun stuff, free things to see, shows on TV these days, a lot of things you can do at home to entertain yourself, and of course, life purpose, lifelong learning. So, uh, if you're interested in aging well, or if there's somebody that you know that would you think would benefit, just go to generationboldradio.com, give us your email address, or go to my website, adrianberg.com slash contact, and you will see an opportunity there for our newsletter, adrianberg.com slash contact. Now, right now, I mean, this is what I mean. Well, here's a resource. Uh, raise your hand if you heard of JASA before this show. Probably a lot of people's hands are not raised. And JASA is a premier organization. Take a look at JASA.org or follow them at JASA Seniors on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot about what programs are around that have been created and tested by JASA because they've got 40 million people who are volunteering 
to be tested and responding well. So let's go back to the uh, co-chief program officer of JASA, Amy Chalfie. And we, we were in the midst of you kind of telling us some different programs that you're continuing during COVID, but it didn't start because of COVID. It, it evolved through the years with more and more life engagement and life purpose. I, I want to specifically ask you, are there, and I don't know the answer, are there any programs that deal with volunteerism um, and and re, what we sometimes call reverse you know, mentoring older people, mentoring younger people, mentor, and vice versa, younger people mentoring older people that you've uh, that you're working on at JASA? Sure. You know, first of all, we, yes, we have a well-established volunteer program. Um, as I said, much of our telephone visiting program is conducted by volunteers. That's JASA Chat. Um, we also engage, we, we believe that our reach goes much further and is helpful to serving communities when we partner with other entities in the communities, like working with schools, like working with grandparents, helping children. Um, so we do over, we have over the years absolutely had programs where there's mentoring, the older adults and younger people, and just engagement and sharing, um, multi, multi-generational art projects. Um, that are really, that vehicle has been so rich for us in terms of, of promoting intergenerational understanding. We also like to find ways to ensure that older people are recognized as very vital to community life. So for example, we uh, a few years ago, we had a program, an advocacy leadership institute, specifically in these communities, which I called NORCs, naturally occurring retirement communities, to help older adults become more visible visible advocates. In, in these communities, you know, issues were identified uh, 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 to for um, correction by local legislators. In other words, are the curb cuts working? Is the, the changing light at the corner long enough, not just for an old person crossing the street, but for the, for the children who are crossing the street or for somebody pushing a, um, a stroller? So we try to help in each community, we try to identify ways in which older adults are recognized as voices of experience and, 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 and um, individuals who have, who can generously give to building community life. You know, ageism is something that you mentioned, and ageism is, I'm happy to say, something that people are talking about. I'm very upset that COVID uh, brought this out. It brought it out with many people saying, well, it's only the old people that are dying and what good are they anyway? Uh, and we've had that. We've seen that on social media. We've seen people express that. But sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good to to face the truth. And when you have intergenerational programs, that goes a long way to stopping ageism. It really goes a long way because the person who's younger begins to identify with the older adults, and they begin to realize they're going to be one as well. So they better stop that ageism because it's only going to turn against themselves. And we don't seem to be able to realize that, uh, even though it's so logical. But So that in itself is a big step. Uh, without pounding on ageism as a topic, just getting people of all ages together can do the work. Now, there are many people now listening and saying, gee, I wish I had a JASA for my mom, for myself, for my brother, uh, but they're not in New York. And um, they have, as you said, less of a population that would be that size. So they'll have fewer programs. Still in all their programs everywhere. And most of them are under the radar. 
Can you give us some hints and tips where people could find some of the programs that they don't even know exist? See, if you don't know, if you know that you don't know, you look it up on Google. But when you don't even know that you don't know, you can't can't even ask the right questions. So where would they go to find out more? Well, every state should have local area on aging agencies. Often it's the state agencies in, in, in areas which are less high, you know, heavily geographically populated. If, for example, you know, in New York State, we have um, every county has a local area on aging, I believe, uh, agency. But uh, to start there, to start with private a- entities, there are usually, you know, whether they're um, community centers that usually have specific aging services programs. We are, as a, you know, we have a lot of older people in New York City, uh, and we also have many more services do. So sometimes gone to conferences, you know, people say, oh my God, you know, you've got so much, and we do, it's still not enough. But many, there is a paucity of, unfortunately, of targeted programs for older adults. And, you know, they do look different. For example, it may be that um, Meals on Wheels is operating with people driving the meals in their cars in some areas. That's not how we do it in New York City. But uh, looking at, say, uh, you know, or calling uh, the state, you know, local area agencies on age or private agencies, sometimes religious groups have information. And also, I will say to you that JASA has the JASA Help Center, which is an information and resource center and people from all over the country. So that's another that's another opportunity. I was waiting for you to say that. Oh, yay. She said it. OK, can make you say it. But I'm so happy that you opened the door to that. Uh, so, so yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's it's really it's really important because it is under the radar. Quick story: uh, I was once um, retained as a consultant to a, a VA group here um, in uh, visiting uh, visiting nurses and a visiting uh, and veterans administration group got together in New Jersey, and what they really wanted was a navigator system, so that people in a certain county in New Jersey would know where these services were. And I took a look, and I really was shocked. There was no navigator system. If you were the caregiver of an older adult or an older adult looking for, say, lifelong learning, you could go crazy. There, it was nothing out there that really brought it all together. They, we eventually created something called the Ask Alice, and Alice stood for something. Uh, and it was, um, it, and it meant you can ask Alice online, and Alice would tell you where everything was. But it had to be kept up. It, it was a directory that had a lot of rich content. But if it was let go, pretty soon all of these programs would have been obsolete or closed or filled. And it's not easy. It isn't easy. So it's wonderful that Jess is there as a resource. Because more than it's not that we don't have programs. It's that people don't know where to find them. I think that's a very, very big problem. Now, when we come back, I do want to uh, refocus a little bit on our current situation and ask you uh, specifically, Amy, there were many people in the 10 buildings, uh, and we hear all about what happened in New York City, and how was that handled? Because it was, and it could have been a dangerous situation. We'll be right back to take a look a little bit at what's going on in best practices for self-protection, still we have the COVID issue over our head. Don't you go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. 
may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit, I'm inappropriate, for my age, da 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 and hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. And as I always do in our last segment, I'll give you some of the places that you can go to further our relationship. And it is always free. Uh, first of all, you simply can go to my website, adrianberg.com slash contact. And there you can do several things. You can sign up for our free newsletter just with your email address. You will get that every Monday. That has our blog. It has, of course, these podcasts, and it has lots of hints and tips that people send me, organizations send me. Many of them are free webcasts on really important things that have to do with geroscience, your own nutrition, lifelong learning, and many of them are fun, like plays or we just had a virtual uh, going to the Arctic Circle that somebody sent me. It was wonderful. And I was able to send that to everybody. So that is for our newsletter. And that is simply by going to adrianberg.com slash contact or generationboldradio.com. Another thing that you can do is you can follow the Metabesity Conference. Now, I'm the director of the Metabesity Conference. But a lot of people wonder, how do I give you all these things for free? Well, because I've got a job. Uh, I am the director of Metabesity 2020 and of a nonprofit called the Catalyst Institute for uh, really expunging, delaying, preventing, getting rid of age-related diseases, which means that I hang out with geroscientists. They know a lot about the human body and aging. And Metabesity 2020 is a conference, now a virtual conference that's taking place in October. And if you're interested in what's going on inside you. You may want to express your interest in attending this, and I'll put you on the list for all further information. Uh, so that is metabesity2020.com. Metabesity, what kind of word is that? Well, it's a geroscience word, and it comes from meta, M-E-T-A, and obesity, which, of course, is part of obesity. And it has to do with the fact that diabetes and other diseases of aging, including cancer, and heart disease all have a fundamental a fundamental reason that are common, that is common to all of it. A lot of it has to do with our internal inflammation. So if you're interested in this, and particularly if you're a younger person who's wondering if this is an area you'd like to study, you definitely want to go to metabesity2020.com. All right. Now let's talk to Amy Jalfi. She has been uh, fantastic during this show, telling us about JASA. They give you the contact information because she generously told us that if you are interested in learning more about the programs of JASA, maybe duplicating them, maybe funding them, maybe donating, maybe you are in the field of aging in some other part of the country or even the world and you want to learn more, this is really the gold standard of programming. Just is. Uh, so you're going to go to JASA, J-A-S-A dot org, and you're going to follow them at, at JASA Seniors, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Really easy thing to do. All right. So what is not an easy thing to do, Amy, is probably to talk about what's going on with COVID in your 10 buildings, maybe among the communities in the senior centers. Uh, you, you must have lost some people. You must have had some people recover. You must have been have people who were afraid 
because maybe the next door neighbor had an issue. Uh, we do live in close quarters. I've lived in Manhattan most of my life in fancy apartments, but the quarters are awfully close. Even the fact that you have to keep ringing the, the elevator bell. I mean, there's a lot of places to have contact. What have you been doing to, to protect people and what's worked, what hasn't worked? Well, JASA sponsors housing. We have 1,900 units. That represents approximately 2,400 people. And what we've been doing, we recognized immediately, these, everybody lives there. It's independent senior housing, so everyone has an apartment. And we recognized immediately that we had to help people physically distance and remain safe. We certainly um, took on new uh, protocols regarding cleaning the buildings. We eliminated the need to go downstairs for shop to use the elevators that much for shopping. For example, I mentioned earlier that we have a we've managed to secure uh, funding to provide meals at our senior housing site. So we deliver them door to door. We just knock on the door and talk through the door and say. The, the meals are outside. These are seven frozen meals, for example, or fresh food that we deliver once a week. Um, and we have, of course, been in touch with our all our tenants probably on a weekly turnaround of at least once every two weeks to make sure that they feel uh, secure, that they aren't experiencing undue anxiety, that their questions are answered. So we have what we call service coordinators in these buildings conducting these phone calls or talking to people virtually if that equipment is available to them. It's, it's very important for us, obviously, to make sure that people are safe and that they have access to everything that they need during this time. Now, one of the things they don't have access to is each other and their family. You know, many of these people are grandparents, as you say. These are people who are disabled in the sense that they're in nursing homes or assisted livings. These are people who got out. And are you, uh, other than the technology, because you did talk to us about that, are you finding that when when the um, when they're spoken to that they are getting depressed or are they really handling this well? Because you've got, as I say, a built-in survey mechanism there to see how well elders are taking it. I'm not sure that I I think everybody is making up their own mind about how elders are taking it without much information from elders. Yes. You know, I think, you know, first of all, many people have a high degree of resiliency. You know, they've lived a long life and they have weathered many storms. But there are folks for whom this weighs very heavily and their isolation from not seeing family and friends, although, of course, family is still able to visit their relatives, but we do encourage as much physical distancing of staff, of course, in our buildings wear masks, um, and we encourage people to comply with all the guidelines that have been released regarding interacting in a face-to-face manner. Um, So I'd say it's a mix. You know, we've seen some um, uptick in... um, uh, I would say in some symptoms of depression, but other folks have, you know, seemingly weathered this okay. You know, yes. you probably knew yes. Janet Sainer. Um, and Jan- yes, I'm, sh- I'm sure you did. And she was my mentor. And I was, I was a lawyer uh, for many, many, many years, started the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. And I was the uh, lawyer for mm-hmm. a CSS, which is Community Service Society of New York. And Janet was on the board. 
And she said something to me that I have remembered all my life, and it's been probably the most important thing to my successful aging. What she said was, every baby is the same. Now, that's questionable, but it's a good line. Every baby is the same, but every senior is different. And that's mm-hmm. what people don't know. The minute you become a senior, you're the same as every other senior. Oh, my Lord. That's what ageism really is. And it's just not true. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so that's a lo- So I gave you a loaded question that, that you answered the right yes. way, which is, they're all different. What do you mean? How are they? Are they depressed? There is no they. It's John and Mary and Joan and this one and the other one and some are and some aren't and that they were probably depressed before. <laughs> and the ones that are doing great were doing great. It, it's just nothing changing. You are who you are, but you look a little more wrinkled. So, you know, this is, it's, that's the deal. Get over it. Now, one of the things that I do want to do, and I always ask at the very end, if you had one magic wish for JASA for its future, what's your one magic wish? Oh, that we will continue to partner with a growing, thriving generation of older adults and develop new and innovative ways to help people live. And that costs money, by the way. I get it. And develop new and innovative ways to live well and confidently and, as you've said, successfully for as long as we can. No one wants to be put on the shelf. We're not. we, We are all different. We want to pursue our individual opportunities um, and experience fulfilled life for as long as possible. Well, this is wonderful. And of course, you've devoted your life to making that happen. And that in itself must be very fulfilling. And at the end of every single show, I say something, Amy, uh, and I'll say it and then I'll say it again. I say, get out there, kids, and make it happen. But what am I really talking about? Pretty much what Amy does. Uh, there's a focus, it changes the world, it changes individuals. So I say again, whether you're in because of COVID or you're out when COVID is over, get out there, kids, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate, inappropriate.